That one, year number four. It's a yank on the footy with Craig Wessels. Let's all sit back and enjoy a chat about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hello, everyone. Craig Wessels here from a yank on the footy. It is nine o'clock in the morning on Tuesday in Melbourne. It is seven o'clock on a Monday evening here in Chile, Sandusky, Ohio. I'm so glad that you are tuning into the episode. Well, we had some wonderful weather last week when we were on spring break from school. We uh, actually had temperatures up that were around 25, 27 degrees Celsius. And, uh, well, today we were down to three. So Mother Nature has decided that she is not done with us and she's going to continue being a fickle, fickle lady. So... We're here to talk about the gather round, and uh, hopefully uh, some of you will hop on and share your thoughts on the gather round, but if not, I will share what my thoughts are, but uh, I, I, I first want to uh, send along my best wishes to, uh, to Chad Wingard. Um, I know there were a few other injuries that happened this week. We'll talk about the Cats, of course, uh, with Reese Stanley and Tyson Stengel here in a moment, um, but uh one of the freakier injuries that I have heard of in, uh, in sport, uh, with Chad Wingard biting. And again, I don't know how far he bit into or through or on his tongue. I, yeah, trust me, I'm not going to be, you know, that curious, but, uh, it sounds like it was serious enough that it required uh, surgery to, um, put it all back together, if you will. So, wish Chad Wingard all the best uh, in his recovery. Uh, I wouldn't recommend any salty foods for a while, but uh, which means that if you need to empty out your cabinet and uh, get rid of your Vegemite, by all means, feel free to send it my way. And uh, it was just kind of an interesting um, juxtaposition, I guess, this week with Wingard I don't know if this this injury was inevitable to happen at this point in time based upon some of the other events that occurred on the other side of the planet, but uh, this is the term that gets used quite often and tossed around there, but the quote-unquote leader of the free world, uh, United States President Joe Biden, and I like to stay away from politics, but I, I could not avoid this. I, I, I felt that I needed to mention this. Uh, if you if you hadn't seen uh, his speech to the uh, Irish Parliament uh, over the weekend, he finished the speech uh, as he's getting ready to to leave uh, Ireland and head back to the United States. He finished the speech telling the Irish Parliament, "Now let's go lick the world, L I C K, lick the world." And I have to be honest, I was taken aback a little bit. I was thinking, did he just say what the hell I think he said? And he did. He said, let's lick the world, which I don't know if this is a step up or not. But, uh, you know, for those of you who may not be aware of this, and you can certainly Google this and it will not. I don't think it's going to disprove me. Um, our current president likes to sniff kids. That's all I'm going to say about it. If you Google it, you're going to find, if you've not seen this before, you're going to look at it and go, 
okay, that's a little odd. So I don't know if licking the world is a step up and improvement or whatever the case may be, but I just thought it was rather interesting. Uh, now, I wanted to talk about the gather round as a whole. And first and foremost, I thought it was an absolutely awesome weekend of football. It really was. And yes, there were instances where maybe there weren't as many fans in the uh, stands as we might have thought, having been told that there were games that were sellouts. Um, I think that once the dust settles and we see the uh, the transactions that have taken place here, it looked like some of the games they were selling multiple games on the same ticket. So you could buy a ticket for one game and it was it was good for two games. So if people didn't stick around for both games, I mean, that might have had something to do with why the stands looked a little bit more empty. But of course, Mother Nature had something to do with that as well. So I think, you know, that, uh, you know, last week before the uh, the gather round, I had expressed my concerns on uh, Twitter about the fact that there were going to be six games played in basically four days uh, on the Adelaide Oval. And I was concerned about what the surface would look like, how is it going to get chewed up and that type of thing. And I had a few people that reached out to me and said that, uh, don't worry about it. They, you know, that the groundskeepers there will do a great job of keeping it uh, in tip top condition. And they did. And it was very trying times because as you know, yeah, we uh, we got to watch much of the Port Adelaide game in a rather steady downpour. So if you were at the game, this is kind of what it sounded like while you were there. So I, I do hope that you uh, enjoy reminiscing here. But um, it was just an awesome round of football. And I think we began to see some things happen that uh, maybe we were uh, – thinking might happen, but some confirmations uh, took place, I believe. Uh, you know, I'm beginning to realize that, that maybe my latter predictions were completely off. And, and, and I think I can safely say that I'm probably not alone. Because if you, if you told me that you, uh, your top four after five rounds were going to have the Saints and the Bombers in the top four and uh, the Crows in the top eight, I don't know if I would call bullshit on it, but I, but I, I, I might internally, I might be a little skeptical of that, but I'm going to tell you what, I, I am beyond impressed by what I've seen with these three clubs this year. I am beyond impressed with them. And if you're a supporter of the saints, of the bombers, uh, of the crows, you have got to be over the moon with how well they're playing right now. It is, it's absolutely awesome. It is an absolutely awesome situation. Um, Yes, the Saints didn't get the uh, the chocolates this week, but they still stayed at the top of the ladder with a very solid percentage of 144. So it is just, it's unfortunate, even though we played five rounds and we still have, you know, 18 more rounds to go, it, it feels like the season is just flying by already, that the fixture, we're just blowing through it. We're already five weeks into the season. And uh, I'd love for it to slow down. And, and and I guess maybe it's going to slow down here with uh, no Thursday games, I think, until round 13 again. Um, but this was just an awesome weekend of football. And, you know, if you are a, uh, a bomber supporter, I got to tell you, I was, you know, I was not convinced to this point. OK, because I didn't feel as though the club had uh, defeated anybody that would 
warrant me sitting up and taking notice. They'd knocked off Hawthorne. They'd knocked off Gold Coast. Okay, that's Gold Coast beat the Cats. Um, they had lost to the Saints. They had beaten the Giants. And the Giants have played, played pretty well. Um, but then they come along and they absolutely throttle the Demons. And I, I loved the, uh, the approach with using two rucks because it looked to me like they absolutely ran Brody Grundy ragged. I mean, it's almost as though they, they turned the tables on the D's and what the D's still hope to do this year with Grundy and Max gone out there. Uh, the Bombers went ahead and did that to them. So it was just, it was just phenomenal to see the game plan. Um, now, the D's aren't going anywhere, okay? That's gonna, that, I think they are still a top four side. I think they are still going to be a club that is very likely going to have as good a shot as any other club at playing in the grand final this year, especially if they get back to health. Okay. I know they've dropped down to sixth on the ladder, but I, I don't see that being something that is permanent. I think they're going to work their way back up. Now I'm quite frankly, a tad bit nervous being a cat supporter and looking at them uh, sitting in the number 10 spot. Now, of course they actually get to play a game on their own deck this week. It's round six and they get to go home. So pretty excited about that because I believe they still have another nine or 10 games uh, at Cardinia Park here before the season wraps up. Um, I did ask a, uh, an acquaintance on Twitter, Darren, to uh, go take a, I sent him the address for GMBHA Stadium and asked him to go take a picture at that spot because I wasn't sure if there was anything actually on that location anymore because we hadn't seen it for um, quite a few weeks. So. Hopefully he'll get a shot to me there that proves uh, that that the stadium is still actually in play and it's actually there. But it, it just was it was a great round of football and and I I I'm ecstatic by how well it went and I know that there are I know there are people who thought well it should we should be playing this in Victoria or we should be playing it in uh, New South Wales and of course you know there are also folks saying that we should play it in WA. Um, but as we know, the gather round is going to continue to be in Adelaide for at least the next what, three years, I believe through 2026, which I, I believe actually affords them an opportunity to, to even make it better. And, and I do hope that now that they have established the precedent for this, that, uh, that they go ahead and even look at maybe playing another game or two away from the Adelaide Oval. Now, I know they want to bring, hence the name Gather On, I know they want to bring lots and lots of fans and supporters and such into Adelaide because it's a good economic move for the community. People are going there, they're staying in hotels, they're eating in restaurants, they're in other establishments that have, uh, you know, the occasional fermented beverage. There may be a, uh, a facility that allows for the the playing of cards or pushing buttons on a slot machine or something of that nature. Um, I believe there are casinos there. I could be wrong on that, but uh, with all the advertising for spo- uh, sports betting on television, I'd be shocked if there wasn't a casino somewhere in the city of churches. Um, but I think it would be awesome if they got out and played a game or two at some of the other local footy grounds throughout 
South Australia. You know, may, you, know you had the uh, the Adelaide Hills. You had a couple games at Norwood, and, and then the, some people posted some photos online of uh, the Norwood Oval from kind of an elevated position, which I I really really enjoyed. I thought it was uh, yeah. I'm not likely to ever see that in person. So whoever it was that took that photo and posted that online, I cannot thank you enough because it gives me, yeah, you know, I've seen the Norwood oval, especially with the, uh, the Adelaide AFLW side playing and the, uh, I guess uh, the Port Adelaide side, I guess playing their games there as well. Um, so I'm, I'm familiar with it. You know, the, the, the ground in the one pocket is, is, is rather distinctive, but you don't often get to see the entire rest of the oval. Um, except for from ground level. So I really appreciate the fact that, that people shared that because it lets me, uh, um, it lets me see a little bit about what, you know, and again, it's not all about me by any stretch of the imagination. Now I, I, I was thrilled by the quality of games this week. I mean, there were some, some terrific games. There were some blowouts, but there were some very close games. I mean, you had, you know, Fremantle and Gold Coast decided by 10 points. Um, Port Adelaide and the Bulldogs decided by 14 points, so less than three goals. Uh, Two-point game with GWS and Hawthorne. A, a single goal difference between St. Kilda and Collingwood. Now, one of the games that I tipped wrong, I, I, I went with North Melbourne. I just had a hunch North Melbourne was going to, uh, to play a great game against Brisbane. And Brisbane, they showed me something playing away from the GABA, and they came out and took it to a an improved North Melbourne side that still needs to improve more, okay? I mean, they went for five goals, five goals, seven goals, five goals during the course of that game, putting 152 points up on the scoreboard. Uh, the uh, the Ruse just really, really scuffled. It was, you know, they got punched in the mouth, and they really had a hard time getting back into it. And I'll be honest, I only watched the first half of that game at this point in time. I am going to go back and watch the second half. And it was not that big of a disparity. It was, it was 66 to 43. So it was a 23 point disparity at halftime. And then it turned out to be an additional 52 points added on top of that. So what is that? Eight, almost eight and a half goals, a little more than eight and a half goals, uh, added onto that lead. Um, you know, the, uh, the Brisbane lions, had a phenomenal game and I, and I was, I had been rather critical and I, and I, I'm going to correct myself here. I was rather critical of Joe Danaher and Eric Hipwood. I, I had said, I was a little, I said this to Mick Aussie the other day. I was a little concerned about that pair of key forwards because I wasn't sure I could, you know, trust them to, to take those big kicks and that type of thing. But they played a great game. They played a great game. You know, Danaher had 13 marks, Hipwood had 10 marks. Danaher kicked five goals, three. Hipwood, four goals, two. Uh, 33 disposals between the two of them. They played a phenomenal game. You know, you factor in another, um, you factor in, you know, Charlie uh, Cameron kicking another four goals as well. Um, it was awesome. It was absolutely awesome. Um, you know, so it is a, uh, it was a great a great win for Brisbane. Um, and I think it was a bit of a learning experience for the, uh, the ruse. Yeah. You know, I think the, you know, in the long run, this game hurt the ruse in terms of their, uh, their position on the ladder. 
their percentage, of course. But I think this is this was a learning experience for them because they, you know, Clark was going to be able to go in, and I'm sure they've already done this. Look at film and figure out, okay, what uh, what can we do to learn to to fix this? Okay, and I noticed that uh, my buddy Orville Gibson just uh, hopped onto the uh, the live here. I sent him an invite if he wants to come on and share his thoughts on the the weekend. Um, now. I do have to say, before I get into talking about the other games, I was very intrigued. And, and, I, and, and if you are a fan of footy in South Australia, doesn't matter which side you're on, you have got to be over the moon because Port is playing some very good football right now. Okay, yes, they still have not found their way back into the uh, top eight yet, but they're, they're only, you know, percentage points behind right now. They're on the same win total as the uh as the uh brisbane lions and the the adelaide crows ahead of them as, as well as the d's and the uh swans but if you're a south australia afl fan you've got to be over the moon because both clubs are playing very good football okay and and i have to tell you i I'm guilty of it as well, I guess, um, you know, after the first two weeks of the season where Port was struggling and North Melbourne had uh, had um, won their first couple games, somebody had posted a meme and I shared it. And I love I love sharing memes because I I love being snarky. It, you know, I don't I, I don't find them to necessarily be offensive at all, but it just kind of helps to make my point about things um, where there was one where, you know, there was Jason Horn Francis in his in his Port Adelaide jumper. And it was like a breaking news thing where, you know, after an 0-2 start for Port and a 2-0 start for North Melbourne that, you know, that Horn Francis demands a trade back to to uh, North Melbourne. Just a little tongue-in-cheek kind of thing. And again, I, I this is not the kind of, you know, this, that kind of sledging I don't think is anything that, that anybody needs to worry about. But, but Jason North Francis has been getting raked over the coals quite a bit in the press. Uh, but that imagery at the end of the game where it's absolutely pouring down rain. I mean, it is bucketing rain, okay? It is coming down in absolute, you know, in absolute bucket, like we had heard earlier tonight. And you watch Ken Hinckley wagging his finger and tapping his finger to that young man's chest and just absolutely looking like he is giving him a spew. Now I, I'm not on Bounce, but I, I have a and I didn't watch this episode, this week's episode of Bounce, but uh, and I'm going to watch it. But I, I, as I'm seeing it happen, to me that's it doesn't look like I mean it looks like sledging, but I think honestly what happened was there is you've got Ken Hinckley rallying his young man and telling him he says, you know, and again this was after you know a fourth quarter where Horn Francis had. 11 disposals, seven contested possessions, five inside 50s and four clearances in the fourth quarter alone. That's what he had in the fourth quarter. Now he only had only, I think he had 19 disposals for the game. So he, he kind of scuffled a little bit in the first half, but he closed out that game. Okay. And I think that Ken, Ken Hinckley was there telling him and tapping him on the chest and telling him, young man, I told you, you were going to find spots where you were going to take over a damn game like that. And guess what? You did it. You took over this game. Don't you worry about those asshats who are booing you and who are bad-mouthing you in the press. I'll deal with that at the press conference. You just keep going out and playing football, son, and you keep working your ass off. And after that, and again, I'd have no confirmation that that's what they said, but I have a feeling that's what he said because he was so pissed off about the booing in terms of what he had heard. And he was so pissed off about what he had 
he had seen in the press or been told about what's in the press. And he was want, he was basically kind of directing that through Jason Horn Francis to those other folks, which they're never going to hear the exact words. But then he went after them in the press conference. And I'll tell you what, I know that there are a lot of people who are in the it's time for, you know, Ken Hinckley to go camp. I don't think his players are in that camp because there was that embrace after that. I, I think that that kid finally realized, okay, I, I've arrived here. I've got a, you know, I've got a place. Yes, he's gone through training. He's from that area. I, I get that. But, but that quarter and his coach coming in and rallying himself there and telling him that I think was just, was a phenomenal job of coaching by Ken Hinckley. Because I'm, I'm very confident that's what was said there. I don't think he was dressing him down at all. I think he was out there telling him, don't you worry about these jerks. I think I used the term asshats before, but I, don't you worry about these jerks that are, uh, that are out there saying these things and booing you. You just go out and play your game. You go out and do what you know how to do and what I know you know how to do. And uh, it was absolutely a phenomenal performance to close out that game. And, you know, I... I was really, really impressed by Horn Francis's efforts, and I, and I was I was equally impressed with with Ken Hinckley because I think that he came to the defense of his players, and you know, and I think that does happen a lot with with coaches because I'm sure there are things that go on behind closed doors that that we're never going to know about because it's none of our business to know that. But I think these these uh, these young men on this side would would run through a wall for him. I really do, and I don't know if I could say that about every coach in the comp most of them probably but i don't know about everyone i don't know about every one of them now i i am disappointed um and i think i'm about ready to hop off of the bandwagon and 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 again i'm gonna go ahead and put it out there again mea culpa uh and, and it could turn around before it's all said and done but the club that is sitting at number 16 on the ladder right now I had playing finals this year, Gold Coast Suns. Their one win and four losses, and yes, that win was against the Cats, and they've got a percentage of only 75. They have struggled closing out games this year. They really have. Okay? It's just been, it's been a battle for them. You know, they got thumped by the Swans in round one. They got thumped by the Bombers which is one of those spots right there where maybe I should have you know, sat up and taken notice about the Bombers, even though it took me a few more weeks. They beat the Cats by 19 points. They got thumped by almost nine goals by the Saints. Kept it close with the Dockers. And again, I had tipped the Suns in this game. Now, they have a game, they have a couple of, I think at this point in time, must-win games coming up for them. They've got the Ruse coming up next week, back up in, at the Gold Coast. and then. <laughs> oh, I am so looking forward to this one. They have the Tigers at Marvel Stadium. There you go, Dima. There's there's your your token game at Marvel Stadium this year. Get your swim fins. You can get across the river, and the Crocs don't get you. Okay, bring along an extra container of water crossing that desert, and wear extra thick boots when you cover that big field full of broken Legos before you get to the uh, you get from Punt Road over there to Marvel Stadium. I think you'll be okay though. Uh, but that the Ruse and Tigers, the way the Tigers are beat up right now, those are two, those are two must-win games for Gold Coast. And I think that they are must-win games very likely for Stuart Dew. 
Now, I don't know if uh, if the uh, club would make the decision because he has a contract signed through next year. I don't know if a club would make the decision to go ahead and dismiss him in season right now because you're not going to be replacing him likely with that guy. Okay, I should say that coach because we have we have now a, a female coach at the uh, in the AFL. So. Th- I don't think you're going to get that coach that you want to come in in mid-season. The, the person that's going to be your next senior coach that's going to take you to the finals for the first time is not somebody that you'd be bringing into the side during round 10 of the previous season, hoping that they're going to get you there next year. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay? So you may end up with a caretaker coach who's just guiding the club through the rest of the way. And maybe that caretaker coach evolves into that person maybe they they just realize and again i'm not condemning student stewie do i'm not saying that he needs to go anywhere but i'm just i'm worried about this club losing the momentum that hit it had gained because even if you're somebody who says you know get him out of the gold coast send him to tasmania and tell tasmania you want a club change the name change the colors of the jumpers whatever the case may be there's your club. I don't think that's going to happen because they've invested so much money in the club at, at the Gold Coast. But even if you're somebody who thinks that the idea of there being a club at the Gold Coast is a bad idea, I think you have to acknowledge that there is some talent on this side with Raul and Tuke Miller and Noah Anderson and Lukosius and Mabi Archol. Um, young Mr. King, and I and I always get the I always say the wrong one. I believe it's Ben King that's there, uh, and it's probably Max. That's why I say young Mr. King because I always get the two of them confused. I always, I have to go look it up every single time. Uh, it is Ben King. Um, <clears throat> so I uh, I just think there's too much talent on this club for them not to be more successful than they have been. I thought they were ready to take the leap. I think I was wrong. Okay, because they have um, finishing out the year as it is right now. That again, they still get to they still get to play uh, the uh, the Eagles once. They have the Hawks uh, again yet. Um, they've got the Giants coming up still as well. They've got the Roos two times. So again, and the Roos are going to continue to grow and get better. But this is still a club that they got to start putting some wins on the board, or I believe they're going to pull the trigger and they're going to put somebody else in there that can figure out how to, I don't want to say light a fire under the club, but to build the fire higher. Okay. Cause they, they, they have, you know, you, you can't say that Matty Rowell is not playing with you know, the utmost intensity. You know, Rowell, Tuke Miller, no Anderson. I mean, I, I would love to have those three playing in my midfield. I would love to have them playing in my midfield. You know, Raul is a bull in the china shop. You know, he is he is a bowling ball, and the rest of the midfielders are the seven ten pin split. And he's going to try to put them both down to go get the ball to get a clearance. He's going to put his head down over the ball. Not always the smartest thing to do, but but he's going to be doing that sort of thing. Uh, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be jumping off the uh, the bandwagon for them yet. But I I'm thinking I was wrong on them not playing finals. So Saints fans, I think I owe you an apology. And guess they're only three and two right now, but Crow supporters, you got to be thrilled about where you guys are at as well right now. Uh, you know, Darcy Fogarty, uh, Keys, and Walker combined for 11 goals, uh, and you just took it to Carlton. And that vaunted midfield of Carlton really did struggle this week. And I, and I, I, I was just so impressed by uh, 
by what I saw from from Adelaide this week. It just was it was an awesome performance from them. And you know, I'm going back and I don't think I jotted down the you know the clearance difference, but uh, yeah, it was all, actually actually Adelaide you know lost a clearance battle thirty seven to forty two to uh, to Carlton in this situation. But you know they uh, they were also much more effective when it came to putting the uh, ball through the sticks as well. Uh, they scored a goal every 2.8 times they went inside 50 and Carlton every 5.9 times they went inside 50. So they were much more efficient with the ball than were the blues. Uh, so, yeah. And again, you know, the blues, they had a, they had a, a, a good game from much of their midfield, you know, Walsh with 25 uh, disposals, Blake Akers, 23, Chara, 23, Cripps had a kind of a pedestrian 19, but he had 10 tackles. He had nine clearances, but it was not your Patrick Cripps game that you're accustomed to seeing. Okay. You know, it's, uh, this was a, uh, this was a side that, that I think that I don't think we've overestimated Carlton. Okay. I don't think that's the case yet. Um, but they need to, they need to turn some things around as well. I mean, yes, they have, they have that, that draw in there, you know, but they, they've knocked off, uh, they've knocked off the cats already. And I think they're, you know, you look at what's going on with the tigers right now and realizing they got a 58, 58 draw with, with the tigers in round one, what they wouldn't love to, you know, to have that, that game back again, but they've played some close games. I mean, you know, a six point game against the giants, eight points against the cats. And, and again, the cats, you know, did not play a fantastic game, but they just, you know, the, uh, um, the blues did enough to win. And then they got thumped by what? 28, 46 points against the crows. And, And you can't, help but be ecstatic about what the crows have done and i know mick aussie is over the moon because that's the club he supports but uh you know sydney you know they thumped a really struggling richmond side um and like i said i blew it with north okay uh i really did and i have to tell you and i said this at the outset i was waiting for essendon to beat somebody that was a top side you've got my attention now essendon you do you got my attention, and you still are banged up as well, okay? But you played a great game of football this weekend. And, and again, Port Adelaide, I can't, uh, I can't do more than tip my cap to what you did as well. You, you had, uh, you know, Zach Butters, 32 disposals, seven clearances, great game on his part. Now, I do have to say, you know, even though that, that was a very close game, I think if you are a Bulldog supporter, you have to be – hopeful and heartened, I guess, is heartened a word? I know disheartened is, is a word, but is heartened a word? It is now. I'm going to have heartened to be a word right now. Um, you got to be thrilled to have Cody Waitman back out there because was he not awesome? You know, granted, yes, only, only 11 disposals, but he's playing, he's playing, you know, he's playing up forward, but he had four goals too. I mean, that, that to me is, he to me is somebody that, that I think they were lacking. And now that they've got him back, and again, you have to figure out how do we, you know, reassemble this group because he hadn't been in there the first four rounds, you know, to play, you know, a lot in a live game setting there. So it's, uh, 
you know, I don't know if the season really starts until about round 10 or 11 anyway, maybe 11 now that, you know, that we have an extra round of the season, but, uh, you know, clubs need to start banking some wins and, uh, you know, granted the, uh, You know, the Bulldogs have dropped down to two and three, but, you know, their percentage is rather low um, that, you know, only 76.8. So they're going to need to, you know, they're going to need to work their way back in there. And I have, you know, speaking of percentage, and I posted something about this on social media during the course of the game. And it was, it was, you know, again, one of those little snarky things there. Is this a situation now where Carlton is going to be worried about percentage again this year? Because remember, they missed out on finals by what was it, six, like 0.6, like six-tenths of a point last year. The Bulldogs got in and the uh, um, the Blues did not. I mean, they're sitting at number four on the ladder with three wins, one loss, and one draw. And they have a percentage of only 96.3. When everybody else in the top eight has a percentage of at least 111, almost 112. And the cats are sitting down there at number 10 with a, a percentage of 119, almost 119. So, you know, if the, if the Blues stumble again, you know, they could find themselves dropping out. But the one, the one bonus that they have is that they have those two points that they earned from not losing a game. So if there's a club that's behind them that has that extra loss right now, they've got that bonus in their pocket right now, right now those extra two points. So they got those where the other club didn't get them. So they have that look to look forward to. Now, I do want to look at the Cats game um, from both the vantage point of the Cats and the Eagles. You know, the Cats built a, a huge lead uh, and they, they added a lot onto their percentage. But if you go back and you look at what it was like at the end of round three, I'm sorry, at the end of round four and the end of round five, they actually lost a few percentage points after this performance because they had allowed a game that had that where they had grown the lead by a tremendous amount to kind of fall back a little bit. I mean, at halftime, it was 14 goals, five to, to three goals, seven. So that's what, uh, 84, 89 to 25. So 64 point lead at halftime. Uh, they extended it even more than that in the third quarter. They extended it. I'm sorry. They dropped it down to 59, but then they, they lost, you know, two goals worth. They dropped it down to 47 at the end. So. Yeah, you know, the Cats gave back percentage that they should have hung on to. But I think you also have to look at it from the vantage point of the Eagles because the Eagles are the Eagles are a proud side, but that this is a club that is absolutely decimated by injuries as well. Okay, and again, I don't have enough time to go through the entire injury list, but uh there are more people on it now. Um it's an absolute horror show because it's not imp impacting just the AFL side. It's also impacting their waffle side. Um, now, it does look like they're going to be getting uh, Luke Shuey and uh, Callum Jamison back this week. Uh, so Jamison will be back in the ruck. Now, before I go in to talk about the Eagles a little bit more, uh, Tyson Stengel is going to be out for a while with a broken wrist. That's probably a six to eight week thing. And I'm sure when he comes back, he's going to have that wrist taped up pretty heavily. And Reese Stanley uh, broke, I believe, his right eye socket had that fractured and had surgery on that to I'm sure put some mesh around that to get it to uh to hopefully grow back together and fuse back together so Jonathan Segler is going to be back in in the ruck position um 
And, you know, a lot of people like to sledge on Reese Stanley, but he is a premiership ruck. He does he does some things pretty well. He I, I, Would I rather have Max Gaughan playing the ruck for me? Would I rather have Jared Witt? Uh, at this point in time in his career, I'm not sure if I would want Todd Goldstein because of the the age difference, but, you know, a, a Todd Goldstein from a few years ago, I, I might want instead of Reese Stanley. But Reese Stanley does enough things pretty well and can kick goals when he, when the opportunity arises that yeah, that he is service he is definitely serviceable okay Sagler's going to really have to step it up but i i wonder what's going to happen with the eagles because there are so many injuries right now and uh i i read an article uh on code sports today that was written by Mark Duffield and i'm going to paraphrase uh, some of the things from Duffield's article here um but you know not only did the eagles get beat by a ton of points okay not only did they lose their game by 47 points, which is almost eight goals, but their waffle side only had six AFL-listed players playing on the waffle side this week. Only six. Now think about that. That means that you had, what, another 38 players on the list? 22 or 23 of them dressed for the game against Geelong. Which, if there's 23 that have dressed, you probably had another couple that that came along for the trip that were emergencies. So that that bumps it up to let's say 27, maybe. So you had six that were eligible to play in the in the other game. So you had another like eight to ten players who were on your AFL list who were out with injuries. And these and these are names that we're familiar with. Liam Ryan. Um, yeah. Nat Nui has not been back this year. Uh, it's just they're beat up and they're, and they're waffle side this weekend. If you didn't see the score and, and uh, I think it's Elijah Hewitt, I think it, Elijah's his first name, but he, he sprained his ankle. He was one of the six playing in the waffle game. He sprained his ankle before he even had a single disposal during the game. So he was done for the day with a sprained ankle before he touched the ball. And West Perth beat them. And if you're not sitting down, this is going to sound like one of those old school games. I will, first of all, I'll tell you, that the, the Eagles waffle side went 7-6-48. But West Perth went 34-13-217. So they beat them by 169 points. So that's what, 21, 21 and a half goals they beat them by. I think 21 and a half, or maybe 27 and a half. 27 and a half, I think, maybe. Um, oh, a whole bunch of goals. So... Uh, Duffield wrote in his article that there may be some rule changes coming up here shortly in the uh, in the at the waffle level to allow them to bring in some amateur players to help top off their waffle list. Now they ended up having to do that at the AFL level last year. If you remember, there were players that they were bringing in who were coming in and getting a couple days of practice who were not part of their list. They were like they were like their supplementary list. And again, this was something that I think was you know coming on the the, uh, the the tail end of COVID where they had they had these lists with the extra players listed on them to bring them in if need be. Now, those, I believe, are gone at this point in time. I don't believe there is a supplemental list like that out there for any of the, uh, any of the clubs. Um, but as I said, Duffield was writing that there may be some rule changes that come about to allow the, uh, the club to bring in amateur players. Uh, but if the, the Eagles CEO, Trevor Nisbet, is not exactly convinced that he's going to be allowed to do this sort of thing. 
because he said that he thinks there were uh, instances last year where the waffle was a little upset about how the Eagles waffle side operates. Uh, and I remember a conversation I had earlier this year with uh, Waza King from Eagle Nation. Uh, and he worked to try to explain to me how the rules are set up in the waffle. And it may be in other comps as well, but in the waffle, the rules are set up that um, actually uh, hamstring the West Coast and the Fremantle Club's abilities to have his quality a list with, with other players that are not on their AFL list on the side. Um, so it just seemed like it was a really, you know, a, a, a really tough situation for them. And, and this is just, this is two years in a row now that the Eagles have just quite frankly been snake bit. And I don't know, I don't know how they, they get this turned around. You know, I, I do think that, that we're seeing two clubs right now whose rebuilds are going to begin at the end of, this calendar year. Okay. I think the Eagles are one. You're going to see a lot of veteran players who are going to be moving on from that side, either retiring or possibly requesting a trade elsewhere um, or being asked to maybe, and I think they can ask saying, Hey, you, you want to go try to chase a ring somewhere else? Cause it's not likely to be happening here for a while. Now, I think that's going to be West coast. And I mentioned this last week as well, but, and, uh, and I've seen some people talking about this. I think it's also going to be the Richmond Tigers. I really do think it's going to be the Richmond Tigers because I think the Tigers are about to hit that rebuild button. Now, if I'm not mistaken, they gave up a, a pretty significant draft pick to bring in Toronto and Hopper. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't, isn't that their first round pick that went to the uh, GWS Giants? Which, if that's the case, that means the Giants are going to have, I believe, their own first round pick next year. But then also, as it is right now, the Eagles pick would be picked. I'm sorry, the, the Tigers pick would be pick number four. And uh, you, know, you talk about being able to accelerate a rebuild if you're the Giants. I mean, that certainly is going to slow down the uh, the Tigers rebuild, though. But I think that their rebuild is getting ready to start here very soon as well. You know, Jack Rewalt may be stepping down after this year. Trent Cotchin may be stepping down. Does Dusty Martin still want to play football? I don't know. You know, there are a number of players who are on the north side of 30 with the Tigers and with the Eagles that I think are likely to step away from the game. Which means that, you know, two recently perennial sides that have been in the eight may tumble down the ladder for a few years, opening up those spots. Yes, I know the Eagles were not there last year, nor are they likely to be there this year, but they have been in the top eight for a fair amount of time. But, uh, I, I just think that they're going to uh, have to lower the age profile on that club. Now, two other games that I haven't talked about yet. It was an awesome matchup between uh, the Giants and the Hawks. And again, very good game for two clubs that are down towards the bottom of the ladder. You know, Toby Green, 24 disposals. You know, a typical Toby Green day, three goals, two. Fergus Green kicked three for the Hawks. And... What an absolute last few minutes of the absolutely wonderful last few minutes of the game for Harry Himmelberg. You know, he takes a great specky to, to, to crush the go ahead goal. And then a few seconds later, he's back down at the other end of the ground and he gets his hand on Jared Impey's 
kick for goal that has he if he does not touch it goes through it at six points and the Hawks win. But he deflects it and pres- preserves the uh, the two point win for the uh, the Giants. It was just it was just a phenomenal performance at one end of the ground and then the other end of the ground very shortly thereafter from Himmelberg. So I mean, really really impressive. And then the uh, the last um, the last game of the weekend was another great matchup. Uh, the uh, Magpies and the Saints. I mean, I just it's and again, you've got two sides here who are you know up in the top four right now. Uh, it was close all the way through. Um, two goals, you know, two goals, two after one. Uh, or two goals, two. It was a draw after one. Collingwood was leading by one at halftime, uh, leading by a goal at the end of the third quarter, and they won by a goal. And they'd actually moved out to a pretty extensive lead in the fourth quarter, and the Saints clawed their way back. Okay, they clawed their way back. Now, um, you know, the Pies lost Daniel McStay, and it sounds like he's going to be out for a while because he had a, a tendon injury in one of his fingers, which is going to have to be surgically repaired. It wasn't a dislocation. It sounds like there was like a tendon tear in one of his fingers, and, and you kind of be able to need to have all your fingers as you're going forward uh, in life away from football. So he may be gone for a while. You know, Brad Crouch had another great game with uh, nine clearances, 10 inside 50s, and 33 disposals. Um, it just, you know, it was a, it was a, Good performance, you know. Josh Battle, Cal Milky with thirteen and eleven marks. It, but it wasn't enough because the Dacos brothers combined for seventy-two marks between the two of them. Okay, uh, only three clearances. Um, kicked a behind, had five tackles total. Uh, Tom Mitchell kicked a goal, and I I can't recall the last time I saw Tom Mitchell kick a goal. That doesn't happen too terribly often, but. Um, there were a bunch of players, let's see, two, four, six, eight players with the pies that had more than 20 disposals. And, uh, yeah, I do believe that um, Anthony Caminiti is probably going to find himself in some hot water. Uh, and I cannot recall off the top of my head, I think it was Nathan Murphy was the young man who he concussed. Um, and then there was a little bit of a conflict at the end of the game about that, but I have a feeling Caminiti is going to find himself getting suspended. Um, the Saints should have Jack Steele back this week, uh, which is going to be great news for my 0-5 fantasy team. And, you know, I, I my fantasy – it was a fantasy that my fantasy team was going to win a game this year. Because if you haven't heard the story, you know, there are a dozen of us from here in the United States that are all, in, you know, footy fans and involved with different parts of the game uh, that we did our fantasy draft online together. And my uh, – on my computer screen, the button on the AFL's Fantasy League, the button that would have allowed me to select a certain player, that column never loaded on my screen. So I was scrambling trying to move players into position to draft them when my turn came up. And probably half the time I was doing that, by the time they got to the top, somebody had drafted that player, so they were gone. So I had to quickly try to move somebody else up to the top. And, and you know, so you know, I got Luke Davis, Uniac. Jack Steele, of course, he's been hurt. So, I mean, I've had some good players, but I've lost some really close games, uh, although I got thumped pretty good this past week. So it's just been a frustrating year for my fantasy team. Uh, I'll make sure I have everything loaded onto my my other computer for next year because it just uh, I couldn't get it to work on my phone either. So it was just a really, really frustrating day. But 
So those are the uh, the games from this past week. I'm I'm really uh, I'm excited about round six. I will be um, hopping on with Mick Aussie uh, probably Thursday night my time, which means it'll be out Friday morning uh, Melbourne time to tip the round six games. There are some good matchups coming up this next week. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. The uh, let me pull up the fixture here real quickly, and we can look at some of the uh, the games that are coming up here. Um, but there are some really good ones coming up here. You know, you've got uh, you know, bit of a stinker, you know, with Port Adelaide and, and West Coast. But you know, the Cats are home against Sydney. Um, you know, Sydney's going to be without Joel Lamarty for probably the next eight weeks or so. It looks like he tore his hamstring off the bone, from what it sounded like. Will that get? Uh, you know, Buddy Franklin has kind of scuffled a little bit this year. Is he going to exert, assert himself? Um, you've got Collingwood and Essendon coming up at the MCG on Tuesday, the 25th on Anzac day. Um, and I know that, uh, Orville is listening right now to the podcast and I'm, I'm going to have to talk to him off air about this. Uh, but I wonder if his tradition on, uh, Anzac day is going to be continuing. Um, we shall, uh, we shall see if you've not heard about that. I do strongly encourage you to go back into my catalog of episodes go to a yank on the footy.com and click the search uh magnifying glass in the upper right hand corner and search out the name orville gibson uh i did a, I, I i talked to orville several times a week every week i consider him a dear friend and uh i did about a three-hour interview with him that i broke into a couple different uh pieces and we talked a lot of footy but then we talked a lot of other things as well and if you're and this is something i said in the most recent blog post that i uh that i published yesterday okay and if you have not had a chance to check that out yet i do hope you'll head over to the website and click on the uh the blog button at the top i did put out a new blog post yesterday you know there there are a lot of outstanding footy podcasts that are out there there's a lot of great ones i listen to a ton of them okay there are a lot of them that are great out there now, I think I'm okay. I think I, I think I do an okay job with mine. Uh, but uh, I don't know how much. Maybe credibility isn't the right word, but you know, I, I since I have only seen a couple of USAFL games in person, I don't know if I'm always the best person to try to, to try to dissect exactly what I see on the ground during the course of the game. You know, yes, I have a, I have a pretty good understanding of, of the game flow and that sort of thing. And I can certainly, you know, be conversive in it and that sort of thing, but, but I'm not an expert. Okay. But what I think I do pretty well is that I, I, I talk to people who love this game and we talk about their passion for footy, but then we also talk about, the other things that make them tick. And, and I really enjoy, you know, delving into the lives of these, these people and learning about them and learning about their lives and, and their passions and the things that bother them and, and just what has helped to make them what they are. And a lot of it's footy related, but I don't mind going off on those little tangents. And, and, and I hope you don't mind that as well, because I, because there are so many of us that have great stories to tell. Okay. There are so many of us that have wonderful stories to tell. And again, as I'd mentioned, Orville's uh, listening in on this as it's, as it's uh, being recorded tonight. He has some fantastic stories. 
am just an absolutely brilliant man. And as I, I said during the episodes when I've had him on, and I've called him this before, he is a hero. He's a hero in my eye. And if you go back and you listen to, you know, those episodes, I think you would find him to be a hero as well. Just an, an awesome, awesome man. So I'm so glad that I know him. I hope someday we can meet in person. Um, I know he has said he's considering making a trip over to the United States to do some sightseeing and told him we, we might even clear out my, my daughter's bedroom, which has become a, uh, a luggage sanctuary and a junk sanctuary while she's away at college. We might even clear that out for him. So he'd have a, he'd have a place to sleep, but, uh, there are some great games this week, but I, I love being able to talk to people about the things that are important to them, especially when it's related to football. I love being able to do that sort of thing. So, you know, I, I appreciate all of you who tune in for, you know, the banter. I like to have fun. I like to make people laugh. I like to think I know quite a bit about the game, but I'm I'm not going to ever sit here and, and say, well, you know what, here's my podcast. And, uh, you know, I know there's that, there's that, you know, first crack podcast, you know, that, that David King is doing and that, you know, Dermot Brereton might be on and Jordan Lewis might be on and uh, Joey Montagna might be on. And well, I, I know more about them. Baloney. I don't know. I, they have forgotten more than I'll ever know, but I enjoy listening to them. But I, but I, I hope, I hope you enjoy what I bring to the table in terms of the stories that I tell. Okay. I really do. And I, and, and I kind of laid this out, I think a little bit more concisely. And like I said, in the new blog post that I put out yesterday, um, before I wrap up though, I do want to, um, highly recommend a couple of things. One, you can find, uh, my podcast at my website, a yank on the footy.com. Uh, you can get on the mailing list there. So when new episodes come out, I'll get them into your inbox, usually within about 10 minutes of when they're released, because I've, I've now started sending out rather than the, the link from Podbean, which is my podcast host. I've waited to send out the link from my website because that link then has, um, about 12 or 13 different podcast apps that are linked there where you can go and listen to that particular episode. So if you're, if you prefer Spotify or Apple music, or Google Podcast, or Stitcher, or CastBox, or whatever the case may be, those links are there for you to go click on that, and it'll take you to the the, uh, the app that you're accustomed to using. Of course, when you get there, you can subscribe to the podcast as well, then it'll be there anyway. Um, if you enjoy the podcast, you can leave a review there as well, and I would greatly appreciate that. If you like the show, if you like what I'm doing, you like the content, if you could take a couple minutes and and let me know that through a review, uh, which you can do at my website, then I can share that out. It gives me a little bit of you know street cred, if you will, with uh, people who might be considering checking out the podcast because it's a crowded field. Okay, there are a lot of footy podcasts out there. I know there's a finite amount of time. I listen to, I listen almost exclusively to footy podcasts and true crime podcasts are pretty much all I listen to. Okay, footy podcasts and true crime podcasts, and there you know, and I and there's. A couple of true crime podcasts. One of them is called True Crime Garage. If you're somebody who's into true crime and you've not checked that one out yet, it's a couple of uh, gentlemen from Columbus, Ohio, here in my home state, and they do a phenomenal job with their show. Great passion. They really are. They really care for the you know the people that they're talking about. Um, also, back to the website. One last thing before we go. If you uh, know uh, somebody who would be a great guest, please reach out to me at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. Or if it's you, get signed up on the register as a guest form that's on the site. 
please drop me an email when you do that as well. So I know that you've put that there because I don't always notice the, the new ones that have popped up there. So please let me know if, if you do sign up uh, for the register as a get on the register for a guest thing. If you want to help keep the lights on, if you want to help keep the podcast up and running, um, you know, with the, you know, the fees for the host and the website and that sort of thing, you want to click on that, buy me a coffee button. If you want to donate a little bit to the show, that'd be absolutely fantastic. I don't have a Patreon, so I don't have anything and I don't begrudge anybody that does, but I don't have anything behind a paywall. Everything that I publish is out there for you to consume. If you like it and you want to help out the show, that'd be absolutely fantastic. Or you can go over to my Redbubble store page and pick up a t-shirt, pick up a sticker for your car or your you know, back of your computer, whatever the case may be. You could certainly uh, find something like that. Now, last thing before we wrap up, I do hope you'll share the episode with your friends and family. You know, Drop them an email, tell them about this crazy American who loves your game and is so appreciative of you sharing your game with me. Uh, and with other Americans, um, like the Castle Brothers, like uh, Donnie Hess, who also do shows from here in the United States and do a fantastic job with theirs. Um, I, I do want to say thank you also to uh, Ricky Nixon and to Tony Marks. Uh, if you hadn't heard yet, and it's on Apple Podcasts and other places, I'm sure, as well. Uh, Ricky Nixon has a new podcast out called The Chicken Coop with Ricky Nixon and Tony Marks. And I'm going to have to do a little research as far as who Tony Marks is. I'm not familiar with that name. Um, but Mr. Nixon's doing a phenomenal job. There's a couple episodes in right now. And I wanted to thank them for giving me a shout out uh, during the episode that came out last night. Uh, I do appreciate that. Um, Ricky has, you know, a myriad of myriad of, of stories to tell from his time as a player and as an agent and that type of thing. And he's been sharing some fantastic stories so far on the show. So if you get the chance to do that, to check that one out, I do hope you'll check it out. Uh, like I said, there's a couple of episodes at this point in time. Again, folks, head on my website, um, get on the mailing list, leave a review, share it with your friends. If you want to help out the show, you can do that. Uh, I will be back later on this week. I do have one more interview that is in the can uh, that I'll be working on getting edited tomorrow. I had a great conversation. Um, with a physician uh, from Melbourne, and we talked about a couple of significant issues. And uh, ladies and gents, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up right here. Cheers. Bye-bye.